to be here with you tonight. Um, I want my wife to uh, greet you. She is truly the greatest gift that God has ever given me. And uh, I still feel that way. Hopefully I feel that way uh, 20 or 30 years from now. I know I will, but I especially still feel that way since we've only been married for three months. And so <laughs> three months and three weeks. I guess that three weeks is almost, yeah, it's a good bit chunk of our marriage. It's, it's like 25%, I guess, you know, can't leave that off, you know. <laughs> But uh, she is truly a, a wonderful woman of God. And uh, I found her in Washington, of all places. Uh, and God's doing something out in Washington, too, I guess, you know. But, but uh, God brought us together, and she is a wonderful, wonderful woman of God. And I want her to greet you tonight. Thank you. Well, praise the Lord. It's an honor to be here with you in the cross. Thank you to the Beckers for all of your hospitality and Sister Rudy for all of your hospitality as well. Yes. Um, we just feel so honored to be with you and to be on deputation. We're calling it our deputation honeymoon and just making sure we have fun along the way. And it's fun living for God yes, and serving is. the Lord. And so we're just enjoying ourselves and we are feeling called to the nation of Japan, specifically the Tokyo area. There's about 38 million people in just the Tokyo metro area. And when I think of that number, I just feel like it is so big, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. But I know the God that I serve, and I know that he knows the name of every soul in that city, every soul in that country. And so I'm confident that the Lord is going before us, that he's preparing hearts already, and uh, just thankful to serve him and uh, be a part of his kingdom. I, I was thinking earlier today, we were just in prayer, and the Lord brought something back to my memory. Uh, you know when you're young and you're going to school, and there's certain things that you just remember from school. Now, I don't remember a lot from school, but I remember some things. And one thing I remember was in my history book. And in my history book, there was a picture of a man named Nathan Hale. Does anyone remember Nathan Hale? I don't know if they still put him in history books anymore, but during the Revolutionary War, he was about to be executed by the British, and he made the famous statement, I regret that I only have one life to give for my country. And that stood out to me as a young child, that, wow, someone loved their country enough to give their life for it. But, you know, the more that I serve the Lord, the more I feel that, God, I regret that I don't have more of my life to give to you. And if you think about it, Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. To give our lives to the Lord is the greatest privilege. It is the greatest honor to serve him. And so we're just so thankful to be part of his kingdom we're going to sing for you tonight and worship the Lord. Um, we're going to sing in both English and in Japanese. Um, I'm still learning, but he is definitely more proficient. But please worship the Lord with us tonight. I don't think we're going to use the mic, so we'll just project. That's okay. Or do you want me to use it? Okay. Well, we both will use it then. But yeah. If you know the songs, please sing with us and yes. worship together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship and record. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. 
Glory, hallelujah, it's true of God. Every praise, every praise is to our God. God, my Savior, God, my healer, God, my deliverer. Yes, He is, yes, He is. God, my Savior, God, my healer, God, my deliverer, yes, He is, yes, He is. Yeah, here it is in Japanese. Subete no sandio, hitotsu tonari kami ni. すべてのサンディを捧げよう。ハレルヤエイコーおめでとうべきお方にすべての賛美を捧げよう。祝いよ。癒しの全ての我が主神よ救いの癒しの全ての我が主神よ全ての賛美を一つ隣神に全ての賛美を全ての賛美を捧げよう。Thank you, Jesus, Lord. We worship you, God. We praise you, Jesus. We lift you up, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Praise you, God. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. And when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Oh my God will never fail. Oh my God will never fail. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. It's power in the mighty name of Jesus. And every war he wages, he will win. 
And I'm not backing down from any giant Cause I know how this story ends And yes, I know how this story ends And I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Oh, you take. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for God. You turn it for good. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you're the one in control, God. Lord, that you know how the story ends, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And let's just worship Him together here tonight. Hallelujah. Our God is a conquering God. There's never been a battle that He's lost yet. Hallelujah. Amen. He is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. We worship You, Jesus, as all power in heaven and in earth. You are our master. You are our Savior. And we worship You. Lord of heaven earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and give them a high five? I gotta admit, even though I've been a youth pastor for seven years, I've never asked someone to do that before. Amen. But living for God is such a wonderful thing. Amen. It's such an awesome privilege. Amen. It's something that we ought to be excited about. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Our God is so good. You may be seated. There is no greater privilege in this world than to know God and to serve Him and to have a place in His kingdom. 
Amen. The, the things that are going on in this world, sometimes they can get us uh, feeling nervous and, and, and bring us down and make, make us wonder if things are going to be okay. But there is a kingdom that is coming. There is a kingdom that is coming. And every knee will have to bow. Every tongue will have to confess. There will be no choice in the matter. That Jesus is Lord of all. Hallelujah. And we get to be a part of it now. Amen. We get a head start on everybody. Amen. We get to be in it now. Amen. If we can turn in our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. And we're going to be reading verses 19 and 20. It's a very common passage. And I'm sorry, I know you have the scripture up there, but if you are able to put the first picture up, is that possible? Awesome. This is our splash page. Our social media is down at the bottom. If you'd like to follow us on social media, uh, Facebook or Instagram, um, this basically is a is a chronicle, an ongoing chronicle of of what's going on in our ministry. For now, since we're on deputation, it'll be where we're at in the U.S. and what's going on. And sometimes we we post a. Uh, a lot of time we post where we've been and what God's been doing, but sometimes we post some fun things. Like yesterday, we went to Portillo's for the first time, the Chicago hot dog place. We went to Portillo's for the first time and just post a little review of us eating hot dogs. So it's not all super spiritual, although eating hot dogs, amen, that's pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> if you can go to the next picture, the next picture, sorry. <laughs> the next one, yes, sir. This is uh, not all of the Japanese people in our local congregation in Japan, but it's it's a good portion of them. This was on a a national holiday that they uh, wanted some of the older folks wanted to get together and have a picnic. They didn't, I guess, didn't want to have the holiday by themselves. It's similar to our Labor Day here in the states, and so they wanted to have a picnic together. So we got together and went to the park and had. A picnic. You may notice that there's not very many young people in this picture. It's not because we don't have young people in our church, but I guess they just uh, wanted to hang out with people a little bit closer to their age that day. You know, they didn't want to hang out with their grandparents. I guess I don't know why. I think grandparents are pretty awesome and pretty cool, but the young, yes, amen. <laughs> Almost. Oh, if you can go to the previous one again, I'm sorry. Almost all of these people, except for maybe one or two are not only first-generation Pentecostal, but they're first-generation Christian of any kind. They're people that growing up did not know the name of Jesus. They did not know anything about the Lord, and but somehow God has helped us to be able to reach out to them. Amen. And they are wonderful people. If you look at them, they look like Pentecostals just like they are anywhere. They don't look any different because when we join His kingdom, it doesn't matter what country we were born in. Amen. But we we look like his people. Amen. If we if we can read in Matthew and uh, why don't we all read it out loud together? Let's read it together. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I want to speak to us tonight about Jesus' last commandment. Jesus' last commandment.
When Jesus came to this earth, he was about 30 years old before he began his public ministry. When he began his ministry, he started traveling from place to place, from town to town and village to village. And every place that he went, he began uh, healing the sick. Wherever there were people who had problems, he would reach out and help them. If there's several times it says in the Bible that he healed them all. That when he was in that village, it didn't matter what they showed up to church with that day as far as a sickness. But when they went home, they were healed. It didn't matter what the doctor said. It didn't matter what their prognosis was. But Jesus had the power to heal them. There were people that would come to him that were bound by different things. Some of them were demon-possessed to the point where no matter who they went to, there was no hope of them ever being delivered. But when they showed up to where Jesus was, all it took was just him to say the word. It didn't matter how many demons they were possessed by or, or how scary those demons were. But when Jesus would speak the word, they had to flee. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus would go and just, he would spoil a good funeral. He would just show up to a funeral and just raise the dead person. And I guess that you can't have a funeral if you don't have anybody who's passed away anymore. And Jesus would just, he would crash the funeral and he raised the dead. He opened the blind eyes. He opened the deaf ears. And so everywhere Jesus went, he did incredible things that changed people's lives. I think it's important, though, for us to recognize that Jesus' purpose in coming to this earth was not just to change people's quality of life for this temporary life, but he had an even greater purpose in coming to this earth, and that was to change their eternal destiny. For before he, be, he came to earth, there was not one person, no matter who they were, who ever could have the hope of being good enough to go to be with him for eternity. Amen. And so Jesus came and brought salvation. And so Jesus not only did wonderful works, but he also taught the people from place to place and village to village. He taught them in parables and il different illustrations, and he gave the people commandments. One person counted his commandments and found them to be 49 different commandments. And, and I just want to set your mind at ease. We're not going to go over all of them tonight. It took Jesus three and a half years them all, and so I don't think we're going to get them all in one night, but I'll go over a couple of them. His first commandment to them was to repent. You see, when we come to God, it doesn't matter who we are, but we all must come through the door of repentance. Not one of us can bypass that door and have a relationship with God. Sometimes people have a little bit of a misconception of what repentance is. They think it just means to say sorry for your sins or, or to just show a little bit of regret. But repentance really is a little bit more than that. You see, the word to repent means to change direction. And repentance is when we change direction, the direction that we're walking in. Each one of us so naturally walks in the direction of pleasing ourselves, doing what feels good to us. Sometimes it doesn't even matter to us what, what it costs somebody else, but we want to do what's best for us. We want to look out for number one. 
And so we've got to have a change in our life, a change of direction where we say, Lord, I don't want to be the master of my life anymore. But Jesus, I want you to be the master. I want you to sit on the throne. I want you to be the king of my life. And that is what true repentance is. And that is the door to relationship with him. Jesus went on and commanded the people to follow him. He commanded them to, them to let their light shine no matter where they were. He commanded the people to be reconciled one to another where the relationships had had a falling out. Jesus didn't say, well, if it was your fault, go and say sorry. But he said, if your relationship has had a falling out, you need to be reconciled one to another. It was even a higher priority than giving their offering at church. Be reconciled one to another. Jesus told the people to go the second mile when someone had asked them to do something that they asked them to do something for them. It didn't matter if they felt like it. And most of the time, I, I think we can all agree that when someone asks for our help, a lot of times we don't feel like it. If you own a pickup truck and you know someone who is ever moving, you know what I'm talking about. But Jesus said, help them out anyways and go the second mile. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. Each one of Jesus' commandments are things that do not come naturally to us. There are things that we don't wake up in the morning feeling like doing. We certainly don't feel like obeying the commandment to love our enemies. Do good to them that do bad to us. Pray for them that are doing wrong to us. But yet he commanded it. And 49 different commandments Jesus gave. One I want to highlight. Jesus commanded, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I love that Jesus didn't stop there. But he added a promise on to the end of this commandment when he continued on and said, and all these things shall be added unto you. If we'll put him first, if we'll seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, Jesus promised us that all of these things that we have need of in this life, it doesn't matter if it's employment or a place to stay or food to eat or clothes to wear. When we put him on our agenda at the top, he puts all of our needs on his to-do list. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for the promises of God. Hallelujah. And so for three and a half years, Jesus went and taught his commandments. And finally, Jesus' ministry was coming to an end. He was nailed to the cross for our sins. He was put in the tomb for three days and he rose again on the third day. And it looked to his disciples that everything he had to do had been done. And everything that he had to say was said. And as his disciples were gathered around where Jesus was on that day that he would ascend into heaven, they were listening for any final instructions that he would have. And Jesus did have some. He had just one last commandment left for them. Jesus' last commandment was what we read a few moments ago in Matthew chapter 28, when he commanded them, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Amen. That's pretty inclusive. It doesn't matter where you go. That Wherever you can go is part of all nations. As my wife mentioned, we feel called to Japan. Well, hey, that's part of all nations. But so is America. America's part of all nations. Wisconsin is part of all nations. La Crosse is part of all nations. Amen. And I'm glad that God's called us to go to Japan, but I'm so glad that God has called y'all to La Crosse. Amen. Because we need to reach all nations. 
Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And I'm so thankful that that name is not a mystery to us anymore. But His name has been revealed to us. The power of baptism is in that wonderful name of Jesus. Matter of fact, I want to... I don't normally insert, uh, I don't normally tell this story, but I want to tell you a little story tonight of my dad baptizing his first convert. My dad was 19 and he was in the Marine Corps and he was in Japan and he had witnessed to a guy and the guy had seen the importance of Jesus name baptism. And so my dad took him out to a river to baptize him. And so my dad gets him out and he goes through the whole thing. It was his first person to baptize. So he's trying to remember, okay, what do we say uh, upon the confession of your faith and because you've repented and blah, blah, blah. And so he goes through everything and he puts him down in the water. And he had told the guy, he said, when you, when I baptize you, you're going to feel the power of God and I want you to worship and God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. So the guy came out of the water and he was, he was worshiping and my dad said, Gil, stop. And the guy was kept worshiping. He said, Gil, stop. And Gil said, what in the world? Why are you telling me to stop for? And he said, Gil, i got to baptize you again. And Gil said, what? What are you talking about? He said, Gil, I forgot to say in Jesus' name. And Gil turned to him and said, well, would you hurry up? That time my dad didn't say anything of, of all the ceremonial part of it, but he just took him and said, in Jesus' name. And when he put him down in that water, Gil exploded out of the water speaking in tongues as God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We can say all the rest of it so perfectly, but if we don't have the name, there's no power in it. But if we just have the name, that is all that we need. Hallelujah. Amen. But Jesus did not stop by just saying, well, you need to teach him and you need to baptize him. Because that's not the whole thing. But Jesus continued on and said, I want you to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So the other 49 commandments that I've given you, I want you to teach them no matter where you go. And I love the promise that Jesus put on the end of it. And he said, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I know different translations translate it different ways, but I love how it says it here because at the beginning of these verses, Jesus said, go into all nations. And now at the end, he's saying, when you go to all nations, it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter. You may feel like you've gone all the way to the end of the world, but I'm still going to be there with you. You're never going to go alone. When you go for me, I'll be right there with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be with you. I believe there's several reasons why Jesus felt it was so important that they do this, that he didn't give it to them as a suggestion. Jesus did not leave it up to how they felt. He didn't leave it up to their schedule and whether it was convenient for them or not, but he commanded them to go, leaving it only up to whether they would obey or disobey. Jesus commanded them to go. I believe there's many reasons we can find, but a few I want to highlight. 
I believe one of the first reasons is that Jesus knew it was not good for them after they had come to where Jesus was. For three and a half years they had walked with Him. They had had their bodies healed. They had been delivered of all kinds of addiction or all kinds of demonic oppression. And they had seen the power of God in their lives. And Jesus knew it would be all too easy for them to just sit down and say, Well, praise God He did it for me. I'm on my way to heaven. And then to do nothing else about it. But what Jesus was saying is freely ye have received. Now it's your turn to go and freely give. You have received my power. Now you need to go and tell somebody else about what I can do for them too. I believe there's another point that tags on with that. And and that is that if somebody is not willing to go, how can they ever hear? If they don't hear... How can they ever know about what God can do for them? Paul asks the same question in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. He asked the people, he said, How then shall they call on Him in whom they've not believed? I believe what Paul was really trying to get at is, there's a whole lot of people out there that they would call on His name if only they knew what to believe in. There's so many people in our world that are hurting They're looking for answers. They're looking for just a little bit of peace in their lives. They're looking for a little bit of hope in their lives. We sure can see that over the last year and a half with this pandemic. People are looking for a little bit of hope, a little bit of peace, just a little bit more strength. They're looking to to every kind of thing. There's people that are looking to alcohol for peace. They're looking to drugs. They're trying everything they can think of. And we know where that gets them. It doesn't bring them to anywhere good. But we know the name that if only they would call on that name, it can bring peace in the midst of the storm. He is the God of peace. He is the God of hope. If only they knew who to call on. And how shall they believe in Him of whom they've not heard? I believe there's a lot of people that they would believe in Him if only they had an opportunity to hear about the goodness of God And what He wants to do in their lives. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Somebody's got to be willing to preach it. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Turn to your neighbor tonight and tell him, God wants you to have beautiful feet. I see some of y'all smiling because you know what the person next to you's feet actually look like and they may not be beautiful, but, but that's not the, that's not the problem tonight. You see, God wants each one of us to have beautiful feet. But whether our feet are beautiful or not in this context doesn't matter what they actually look like. But when we use our feet, when we make the decision to go, When we use our feet to go to somebody who has never heard of the goodness of God, when they hear and they believe and they call on His name, and God begins to do a work in our life, our feet that carry the gospel to them are the most beautiful feet that they've ever seen. Hallelujah. Recently, we were in a church in southern Illinois where my mom grew up. The church was going through their records recently, and my mom was baptized in that church. My grandmother was baptized in that church. But in their church records, they found that my great-great-grandfather was baptized in Jesus' name in that church. I'm fifth-generation Pentecostal. What a wonderful privilege and a wonderful heritage. 
I don't know who it was who first went to my great-great-grandfather and told him about God and told him about baptism in Jesus' name, but I'm so thankful that they did. I can't imagine that they would have ever had any imagination of of how long-lasting their witnessing to my great-great-grandfather would be. That because of their single act of obedience in going to somebody, that five generations later there would be missionaries to Japan, that there would be preachers across America, that God would be reaching other people because of their obedience. I, I can tell you when I get to heaven, if I ever find out who that person was, they're going to have beautiful feet to me because they're the one who went to my family. There's a couple stories I want to share. If you can go to the next picture. This is a picture of Sister Yoshihara. If the, this is the right picture, yes. This is a picture of Sister Yoshihara. We did not know who she was. We did not know her story. But God did. God knows where the people are at. He knows their names. And Sister Yoshihara had had a, a uh, she was not any kind of a Christian. She didn't know anything about Jesus. But when she was in her 50s, she uh, came down with a, a kind of brain cancer. And she had a tumor in her brain. And, and she went to the doctors and they said, well, we, we think we can save your life, but only if we remove the tumor and, and take out a portion of your brain with it in the surgery. They said, we can save your life, but, but you'll be very disabled. You'll really have no, no uh, meaningful life after that, but we can save your life if you would like us to. And so she uh, opted for the surgery, and they were successful. They did the surgery. She was discharged from the hospital, and they sent her home, with again, with no real hope of any kind of a meaningful future. She was there to live out her days, but one night as she was sleeping, she had a dream. In the dream, she saw a street just a few blocks from where she lived. She had been to the street many, many times, but had never really noticed anything special about it. But she saw the street in her dream, and a voice spoke to her and said, if you will go to this street tomorrow morning, you will find what you're looking for, and you will find the answer to your needs. She woke up in the morning and and thought, well, that's a pretty strange dream. I've never dreamed anything like that before. But she got herself ready, and she thought, I wonder if there could be something to the dream. So she got herself ready and made her way out of the house just a few blocks away. It took some effort, but she made it, and she hadn't walked but maybe a 100 feet down the street before she noticed a building that had been there, but she had never noticed before. And she saw people gathering there, people from all over the world, and it just so happened that it was our church and that we were having a regional conference that weekend. She was standing there looking and wondering. She noticed it was a church and wonder. I wonder what kind of kind of event goes on inside of a church. She had never been in a church before. And that was when one of our sisters who was greeting people at the front door saw her. She saw this lady who looked pretty strange, to be honest. She was obviously not well physically. And she was just standing there staring at the church. And our sister felt like she needed to go talk to her. And so I don't know if she struggled in her mind like some of us, probably all of us do when God starts to, maybe when we're in the supermarket, God says, hey, go talk to that person. We're like, what? But I, I don't know them. What am I going to say to them? But I think we all struggle with that. But our sister finally made her way to where Sister Yoshihara was at. And she greeted her and invited her to come into the church. And 
Sister Yoshihara was surprised she would be invited in. She didn't know that you were allowed to be in a church if you were not a Christian. But our sister reassured her it was okay and so brought her in and sat with her through the service. We didn't know anything about her her life, but I, I looked back at her during the service at one point and I saw tears streaming down her face. I don't remember what the sermon was about that day, but I remember that God began to do a work in her life. The first opportunity that she had to hear about Jesus, she took her opportunity and she believed in His name. She called in His name that day. She was baptized in Jesus' name and she was filled with the Holy Ghost. We saw God begin to do a work in her life that the doctors had said was impossible. God began to strengthen her and change her life. Oh, she had a wonderful quality of life after that. The doctor said she had no hope, but with God, there is always hope. Hallelujah. She shocked us when one day she came to church and said, Hey, Pastor, uh, I was wondering, would it be okay if I joined the cleaning team? Our mouths just about hit the floor because she could barely walk when we first met her. She definitely couldn't hold a broom, but now God had strengthened her and she was wanting to use the strength that God had given her to be a blessing to the church. With this same beautiful, joyful smile on her face, she would clean the church with the other brothers and sisters, singing worship songs and glorifying God. In 2015, I was back here in the States for uh, to visit family when we got the word that she had suddenly passed away. And I was very heartbroken that I never got to say goodbye to her here on this earth. But this is exactly what the gospel is all about. That even though, even if we don't get to say goodbye over here, when we get over there, we can say hello and just pick right up where we left off. That we don't have to say goodbye, but we'll live together forever in eternity and worship around the throne. Hallelujah. What a wonderful privilege it is. Amen. If you can go to the next picture. This is Brother Yokoyama, one of the greatest men I have ever known. A wonderful man and an incredible Christian. You know, if you looked at him, you would think that he was born and raised in church. But his story did not have such a happy beginning. But you see, when we come to God and he creates us to be a he makes us to be a, a brand new creation. It doesn't take very long before you can't even tell that they used to be another person. Amen. But God so totally changes us and forms us to his image. Brother Okoyama had a very difficult childhood. He was he went through a lot of abuse from his dad and he grew up and, and had very, very low self-esteem. He was suicidal. And and by the time he was in college, he was already an alcoholic. But God knew about him and God cared about him when he was in in college. He was selected for a program to come to the States as an exchange student. He didn't know anything about Jesus, but and he didn't know he was going to learn about him in the States either. He was put of all places in a small town called Lewiston, Idaho. And uh, he was there in his his dorm room one day and he was so troubled about life. He was so depressed and there was a dartboard in the room and he was throwing darts at the dartboard like he did when he would be thinking. He noticed suddenly that three darts in a row had hit the number 13. And for some reason, that day it stood out to him. He thought, 
Whoa, the number 13 is the unlucky number in America. In Japan, the unlucky number is the number four. And matter of fact, it, it's so unlucky that it's the number of death. In hospitals, uh, many times, they will not even have a fourth floor. There's a first floor, a second floor, a third floor, and then a fifth floor. Because it's the number of deaths. So who wants to be on the death floor in the hospital? So there's no no fourth floor. Also, in many hotels, it's that way. But he noticed that day, he said, the number 13 is the unlucky number in America. I wonder if this is a sign from the American God. And he began to stand there and think about who is this American God. And as he was thinking about it, he said a, a presence came into his room that was so kind and reassuring. He didn't know what it was. He had never felt anything like it before. He had grown up praying to to Buddha and his other gods many, many times, but he had never felt anything like this. And he didn't know what this presence was, but but he thought, you know what, I need to go to an American church while I'm in America, and maybe I should meet this American God. And so he talked to one of his roommates who just so happened to be Pentecostal and said, hey, do you know of a church I can go to on Sunday? And he said, yeah, you can go with me, you know. And uh, so on Sunday morning, he got up and went to the church. He didn't he had never been in a Christian church and didn't know what to expect. But that Sunday morning, uh, when the preacher preached, he believed and he was baptized in Jesus name, even though it was his first time in a church. He was baptized in Jesus' name. When he came back that night, he, his heart, where he had been just so troubled before, was now so filled with peace. He felt so different. And he could feel the love of God. He could feel the presence of God. He said later that that presence that he had felt in his dorm room uh, when he was alone was the same presence that he felt in the church when the people began to worship on that Sunday morning. That he recognized that the presence that had filled his dorm room was the presence of God. That this God cared about him and loved him. And he was baptized in Jesus' name. That night he came back and, and during the worship he was so thankful that God loved him and what God was doing in his life. He really didn't know how to pray a Christian prayer, but during worship he just stood there and said, thank you, thank you. Thank you. And all of a sudden, as he was worshiping God, he began to speak in other tongues as God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that there was somebody who, when God called them to that town to start a church, they didn't know God was going to bring a young man from Japan to get saved there. But when God said, hey, I want you to go to Lewiston, Idaho and start a church, they said, all right, God, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. I'm so thankful that there was a roommate there who said, I'm going to bring this young man to church with me on that Sunday morning. God took Brother Okoyama back and has started a wonderful revival in Japan through him. Amen. God's doing wonderful things. You know, the last commandment that Jesus gave to the disciples to go, it was his last instructions before leaving earth. And I, I can't help but feel that we are so late in these last days that it could very well be Jesus' last commandment to us before he returns. I don't know how much time we have left. I don't know if it's a year or two or three years or maybe it's less. Maybe it's only a few months. I don't know if we only have a few weeks left with the things going on in the world. It could definitely be that way. But all I know is I want to obey the commandment. 
I don't know how much time that I have, but I want to use my time wisely and obey the commandment if we can all stand. I believe God has a call for each one of us. God has a field for each one of us. When it talked about the preacher in the verse that we read earlier, the preacher isn't just the person standing behind the pulpit, but it's every one of us. It's any one of us who are willing to go. Sometimes we think, well, well, what am I going to say? But, but the thing is, we already know what the gospel of peace is. We already know what the glad tidings of good things are. Now the only thing that's left is just for us to decide, yes, Lord, I'm going to go. Yes, Lord, I'm going to have beautiful feet. Hallelujah. I don't know who it may be that is around us that God is already giving them a dream when they sleep. God is already speaking to their heart. I don't know if maybe they're like Saul on the way to to Damascus when God knocked them down and gave them a vision. Ananias didn't know what God was already doing, but God spoke to Ananias and said, Ananias, I need you to go. I need you to go. I've been doing a work, Ananias. Now I need you to go. I'm so thankful that Ananias obeyed. Yes, he had fear in his heart, but he didn't let that fear control his response. He overcame that fear and went to where Saul was, prayed for him and saw him filled with the Holy Ghost. And because of that, 2,000 years later, we have a large portion of our New Testament. Thank you, Ananias, for going. I don't know what, what could be the results or the effects of my obedience to go. Amen. But I want to be willing. When God calls me to go, I want to step out in faith, believing that He's with me. He is, He is not a, He doesn't, He is not one that forsakes His promise, and He's promised to be with us. Believing that He's with us, and He's prepared the way I want to go. Hallelujah. Why don't we just lift our hands to heaven tonight and talk to God for a few moments? Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Help us, oh God, to have your vision, Lord. So much of the time we can get so caught up with the cares of this life. But Lord, help us to have the eyes that you wanted your disciples to have when you said, you say there's still four months, but then comes the harvest. But I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're wide already to harvest. Help us, oh Lord, to see the people around us as part of the harvest that you're already preparing, that their hearts are already prepared, the soil of their hearts is prepared to receive the good seed of your word, Lord. Help us, Jesus, to to look at our daily schedule as an opportunity to go, Lord, not just to get things done, but to go, Lord, to those who are hurting, to those who are hungry, to those who don't know what they're looking for. But, oh, Lord, we know we have those glad tidings of good things. We have the gospel of peace, oh, Lord. Help us, Jesus, to go. Help us, Jesus, to go. Help us, O Lord. Help us, O Lord. Help us, O Lord. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, God, fill our hearts, Lord. Fill our hearts with a burden, Lord. Help us not to be able to rest, God, but that we would see the harvest brought into the storehouse, Lord. Help us to go, Jesus. Lord, use us to be the ones to give them the opportunity to hear that without us they'll never have. Hallelujah, Jesus. Call us, O oh God. 
Lord, sometimes we pray that you would send somebody to our family. We pray that you would send somebody to our neighbors or our co-workers. But Lord, we believe that you're calling us. Lord, you've put us there to be the vessel to witness to them, Lord. Help us, oh God, to go and to reach, to share faithfully, Lord. Not worrying about what the response may be, but being obedient to the heavenly vision, oh God, and to our calling. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now you have heard, my servant has given you my command. Now I ask you, will you go into the harvest and obey my commands that I have given you? He has chosen to go. Will you go also? I have warned you that the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. You have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Will you obey my command and go as I have commanded you to go? I look to you to obey. I have chosen you for this hour. The harvest is plentiful and the labors of you. Will you go? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Jesus, God. Hallelujah, Jesus, Hallelujah, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we love you, God. Lord, we will go, we will go, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just wait on the Lord for a few more moments. Hallelujah. God's working in us tonight. He's working in our hearts tonight. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Rokeenda rama yele sota rama ilo kore ma yetandi alama sote arakaye rakienda ratarobo sheki alama 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Speak to us, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name. Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But she shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And it doesn't say, and you'll have power to cast out demons, although the power of the Holy Ghost does that. It doesn't say, and you shall pray for the sick and they'll recover, although the power of the Holy Ghost allows us to do that. But it says, you shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. The power of the Holy Ghost isn't just for us to enjoy for ourselves, but it's to empower us and enable us to be able to go. Amen. To go in the power of the Spirit. Jesus told the, the parable of the, of the master who had given the talents to his servants and he was going to be gone. And, and we know the story, how two of them invested and used the talent they had been given so wisely to gain something for the kingdom. But one, he just buried the talent and all he was concerned about was himself. I feel like the Holy Ghost is, there's no greater talent that the whole, that God could give us than His Spirit. There's no greater thing that God could entrust with us than His Spirit. Amen. I don't just want to enjoy it for myself, but I want to invest it. I want to let it flow through me to someone else. I want to be a witness of the kingdom. I want to be a witness of what God can do, of what He's wanting to do. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. One more time, let's just love the Lord together. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you that you first loved us, God. Thank you that you first loved us, Lord. Oh, God, we pour our love upon you. Oh, Lord, we want to be faithful servants, faithful to the commandment, faithful to the call. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we love you, God. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much for letting us be here with you in La Crosse, the beautiful city of La Crosse, Wisconsin. This is actually my first time to be here. I've driven all over and across Wisconsin before on deputation and as a Bible school student. I, I went to ABI and the Twin Cities, and so I've driven all over Wisconsin, but this is my first time in lacrosse, and uh, I guess sometimes God saves the best to last, so <laughs> oh, we're enjoying being here. Thank you for letting us be with you.